Good evening, church, and thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Colm, the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spath. He's one of our elders, and this is our Wednesday evening conversation through the Law and the Prophets, where we take the Old Testament, we break it open, and we we see how it all comes together and where it's leading to, which we know it's leading to Jesus, and so we do end up in the New Testament from time yeah. to time. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 6, the very end of chapter 6, the beginning of chapter 7 this evening. Um, again, just so grateful and thankful for joining you. If you're listening to this on the Heart and Hands podcast, thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share. That really helps us out. And if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. Uh, here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. And if you, if this ministry has blessed you in any way and you'd like to partner with us, you can head over to our website at www.churchvictoria.com. You can hit that donate button and, and it really does help us out. So anything you'd like to give, if you'd like to partner with us, we want to encourage you to do that. Um, I think that's it. So let's pray and get started. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to uh, study together this this uh, this evening. We pray your blessings upon us. Uh, we pray your blessings upon Cole and I as we navigate through the text that we might say the things that, that our audience really needs to hear and, that, and say the things that maybe will help to turn uh, someone from a really dire situation into a, into a more positive one. Uh, Father, we thank you for the opportunity. Bless us as we go through this and help us as we go through the Old Testament as it leads us to your son. We, uh, we pray that we won't miss those opportunities to talk about him. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're in Exodus chapter six. We're we're coming to the end here. We we well just just to clarify for the for our audience, we this is Monday and this is Monday morning for us, mm -hmm. right? We just got finished with men's breakfast, and so we've been we've been at it early, mm -hmm. early, early. We had a great time. Yeah, it was a good, it was a great time. Good turnout. Yeah. And uh, and the last two weeks that y'all have uh, uh, y'all have watched this, we've been talking about God's deliverance. That's right, and Him delivering uh, delivering His people. Uh, from the from the bondage of the of the captivity of Egypt, right. that he was going to deliver, using Moses and Aaron uh, to deliver them, and uh, and we talked a little bit, I believe, we talked some about God being being a deliverer for us and delivering us with with through Jesus, and He's going to deliver us from the bondage of sin, and uh, so I think that this in chapter seven is going to begin that 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 dynamic between Moses and Aaron and Pharaoh and God. You know, and and looking at this dynamic, right? We're, we're seeing we're going to see a very we're going to see a repeat of something we've already seen with Moses questioning God, and so how when we look at what Moses is doing here, this this constant questioning of God, what is God's response to us when we doubt Him? Oof, oof. I think if you look at examples in the in the in the Bible, there are times when when he's very he gets angry. Mm -hmm. Okay, he gets angry. Uh, there's times when he gets frustrated. I think. Uh, I think there's times when he's very loving and caring. Uh, I think that uh, that Jesus showed us a side of him through the new covenant of a very compassionate, very empathetic. You know, my my class this past Sunday uh, was was on John chapter eight. The woman caught in adultery, and one of the questions I ask is, "What did Jesus? What did they? What did she see in him? How did he respond to her that the other people didn't?" And and I got all over the, you know, the love and the and the and the forgiveness, but the compassion and the empathy, you know. So I think I think God understands us in in our covenant relationship. That he, we are going to doubt, you know, we're gonna we're gonna doubt that He's capable of doing what what needs to be done. 
and uh, we just can't let that doubt take over to the point where it where it takes us into negative places. Mm. Okay, because it has a tendency to do that. Satan will use that. He'll use those emotions to take us into places where it's very negative and very and very uh, depressing. Mm -hmm. And I think we got need to guard against that. So I think uh, I think God shows us in the Old Testament that He is God. He's fear, someone fearful. It's a fearful thing falling in the hands of the living God. Okay, you know Hebrews talks about that. So I think it's a uh, that's one thing He shows us in the Old Testament. But then through Jesus, He shows us a different side. Well, and you know I, I look at Moses's struggle here, and I, I looking at Abraham and all the guys there as well. I would say it was their struggle as well. It's it's always a struggle to believe what God oh, yeah. has said. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. And so, you know, we were just talking about today how this whole past week, how I felt a certain way, mm -hmm. it just wasn't the case. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's the way it is when we come and we look at the Word of God a lot of times. We feel certain ways about it, mm -hmm. right? God can't deliver me from something well, and, or God can't and do think this. About, think about it. Satan, Satan crawls up in our lives and he, and he crawls up next to us, starts starts hissing in our face. Mm -hmm. that, uh, that And he uses those those uh, inconsistencies. He uses those, those uh, uh, what is the word, the... the, the the insecurities he uses in our lives to try to undermine us and to get us to do what we know really is not the right thing to do. That's what he did with Jesus. He, you know, Jesus is hungry. He's tired. He's thirsty. Mm. And Satan comes up and gets in his face and starts, starts promising him all this stuff. Well, you know, I think that, that, uh, that we have to be, we have to be very aware. And I think that's, you know, our faith has to be strong. It comes from, uh, you know, the scriptures tell us faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I think we need to be aware of that. We need to be in God's word and, and let God talk to us and remember that God, that we're his children. That's what it teaches us. We're his children. And, uh, and even, even children, you know, uh, I, I was watching Scott a while ago and with John L and, and with, and with, uh, Lee and, and they're bantering back and forth. And I went over to Scott and I said, if you're listening to these two knuckleheads, you're in trouble already, <laughs> you know. But you know, it was all in good fun. It was bantering back and forth, and it. But you know, Scott's a little boy. That's right. Yeah. And he's going to doubt sometimes. He's going to doubt his existence. He's going to doubt his his validity. He's going to doubt his worth. You know, that's the way we are as humans. And 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 uh, and you can reinforce him all you want. I can reinforce you all I want. But if you go that little boy route, you're going to believe what Satan's trying to trying mm. to fill your head full of. Yeah, it's interesting how Jesus tells us that if we want to, enter, want to enter into the kingdom of heaven, we must become like little children. But the dynamic there isn't little children that doubt their father. The, the idea is little children that are dependent upon their father. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I think it's I, I think that's exactly well, what we're seeing. We've seen that's Abraham, where Moses Moses, is. Right. Moses, Moses yeah. is is doubtful. Yeah, he is scared. He is uh, he's insecure. He's uh, he he's. Uh, a little bit arrogant, okay. All those does these do these traits sound familiar, guys? <laughs> <laughs> these are us. These are us. That's who we are. Depressed, despondent. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to do this. Trying to get in an argument with God, say, you know, you do you really? You, I don't really do this well. I don't do that well. And God's saying, it knock it off. That's right. Yeah. You know. So here, here's where it's going to start, where God's going to say, going to fulfill that promise, say, hey, guy, you know, I, uh, uh, I got your brother here. Things, things are going to go as I have said they're going to go. And that's I think exactly. that's so important for us to grab onto that because the world looks so scary and things don't always happen the way we think they should. 
right? I lay out a plan in my, in my mind. This is A, I want to get to B. This is how it should go. And God goes, you don't even understand. We're not going to B. You want to go to B. I want you to go to Z. And I'm going to get you there my way. I'm not, I might not go yeah. straight through. We might, it might go up and like this. And, and when that happens, when those turns, those unexpected turns in our life happen, we're, we're fearful. We're like, well, I wasn't expecting that, or I didn't want that. Or, or, and instead of looking at it and going, okay, what is the father doing? And I believe what he has said. And so I know he's, he's working things out. We, we get thrown off course. And that's what we see here with Moses. And God is constantly reminding him, right? So in verse 28, he says, Now when the Lord spoke to Moses in Egypt, he said to him, I'm the Lord, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, everything I tell you. But Moses said, since I speak with faltering lips, why would Pharaoh listen to me? So we're right back in, right back to the burning bush. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, but I, I can't speak to him. Yeah. And so God reaffirms what he's already said in, in starting in chapter 7, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, see, I've made you like God to Pharaoh and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You are to say everything I command you. And we've heard this. Mm -hmm. He has said this exact thing to us, yes. right? Mm -hmm. And notice in verse 3, but I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt with mighty acts of judgment. I will bring out my divisions. So I want to talk about that. I will harden Pharaoh's heart mm -hmm. for a second. And we've we talked about this last in, in, in the last couple of episodes. But I want to bring out something that it is not often discussed when we we bring we talk about this. Okay. So what is God saying here? And I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Mm -hmm. um, from the 21st century perspective, we look at it and we say, well, that meant meant he forced Pharaoh to do something. Mm -hmm. Okay, the problem with what we see there is later in the text, when these plagues start happening and these signs start happening and God start working, when it says Pharaoh's, it talks about Pharaoh's heart, it says Pharaoh hardened his heart at mm -hmm. first. Mm -hmm. God doesn't start hardening his heart until later on. So to say that this hardening of a heart is all about God making something happen on Pharaoh I think that's looking at it from a 21st century perspective and, and inputting what we think into the text. What we need to understand is in Egyptian uh, theology or Egyptian uh, religion, when they died, they would go before judges and these judges would weigh out their hearts. Uh -huh. And for you to pass the judgment, your heart had to be as light, lighter than a feather. Yeah. That was the idea. So when he's saying that I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart, mm -hmm. I'm going to harden it like a stone. It's going to weigh more than a feather. I'm going to judge Pharaoh is very well what could be what could actually be meant in this text. It's not about I'm going to make Pharaoh be judged or I'm going to force Pharaoh into this position that he doesn't want to be in. But rather, I'm going well, to stand in judgment of Pharaoh and I am going to find him Something you have to ask wanting. yourself, Cole. Uh, when you try to interpret a text... Is it is it normal? Is this is this what you have in the dynamic of God always, or is this something out the way I think it says? Is it outside the realm of what God usually does? Well, that's an excellent point. So, if we're thinking that this means that God chose for Pharaoh and God raised up Pharaoh solely for the purpose of uh, his condom, and when I say raise up, I don't mean raise up to the Pharaohship, but like he created Pharaoh with the express intent of destroying him, right? And I think that's where this really ends up going. Mm -hmm. And it, and it well, really, for a lot of people, it does. For a lot of people, and mm -hmm. it harkens to this idea that God tossed the coin, and and these people he decided to save, and these people he decided it's like, to destroy. It's predestination. Yes. Yeah, so predestined some folks. We yeah. need to be very careful with that because what we see in the text isn't that. It, it never is. It's never that. So we see. We see God look at Cain, 
Remember, we've talked about this in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 3 or 4. four. We see God say to Cain, sin is crouching at your door and you must master it. And it desires it. to master you. Right. So obviously Cain has, God is telling Cain, he's got an option here. He's got a choice. Mm-hmm. Now, did God know what Cain was going to do? Yes. Yes, he Absolutely. did. But Cain still had the choice. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be very careful. This is the... The well, fishbowl analogy, it, I like to use. But it does say that, that heart, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. It does say it multiple times in the text. Yeah. So, again, how do we look at this? Pharaoh's heart is found wanting by his own design and by his own measure. Mm-hmm. He, is, he is causing his own judgment and his own condemnation. And then what we're going to see later is God confirm that. Yeah. Where he continues, his heart continues to be hardened. It weighs more than a feather. Again, this is the illusion. This is the illusion that is being made, the metaphor that is being made. And so, and he, we're even warned, you know, don't harden your hearts in the New Testament. Again, this is, are we going to listen to what God is saying or are we going to find our hearts wanting? Mm-hmm. And so we have to be very careful about inputting 21st century theology or thought into a text from thousands of Especially years ago. Especially when it, there's no evidence that God's done that before. No. We have to make it say that when it doesn't actually say that. That's right. Because that's not who God is. God is, is it says he's no respecter of persons. It says he doesn't want anyone to perish. Yeah. It means he didn't want Pharaoh to perish either. And it's it's very important. I mean, if we come forward to the New Testament where we have the complete revelation, yes. right? We now have complete yes. revelation about God's intentions and his plan and things like that. It says very clearly in Second Peter chapter 3, I believe, Second Peter chapter 2, verse 9, I believe, Um and God is not wanting, God is patient with you, not wanting any to yes, perish. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 9. Yeah. Not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And so if you're going to claim that God only saved the people that he wanted to save, if that's the, the theology that you embrace, there's a problem there. Because God says he wants everyone to come no, to repentance. No, what there is means the Bible is no longer credible. Well, I mean, I, that's that's whether you mean to say that or not, it is that would really be what truth, you're saying. If that's the truth, though, correct. If that's the truth, then the Bible's no longer credible. There are too many places in the scriptures that would disagree with that thought process. Absolutely. That that you do not see that the case. It's not only Cain. We also see Saul. With Saul, he tells Saul, "I'm gonna, you know, if you obey my voice, I'm gonna enshrine your kingdom over Israel." Well, Saul's a Benjaminite. How's he going to do that? He's already said it's going to come through Judah. Well, God knows what's going to happen. Because he knows he's not going to, he's not. But he still gives us the opportunity. Just because God, what we see is this dynamic at play. God knows what's going to happen, but we have the option to choose whether or not we're going to do what we do. And a lot of people would go, well, that doesn't make sense. Okay. It only doesn't make sense for us within the bubble of time. It doesn't make sense for us within this creation, but God is outside the creation. How am I supposed to look at God and tell him how his foreknowledge work? How are you supposed to look at me and explain to me how God's foreknowledge works? None of us have foreknowledge. None of us have any idea how this works. What we find consistent with the text is that God knows what's going to happen, but we have But still gives us the option and the choice. That's what we see in the text. He knew what was going to happen in the garden. Tell them, don't eat the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. Don't even touch it. And, we and know, what they do? And because of Ephesians chapter 1, we know that the church was always his ultimate plan and his yes. ultimate destination. Yes. So he knew they were going to fail. And we garden. know from the book of Hebrews that all of his work had already been done before the creation of the world. We know that the plan had unfolded in his mind. Everything was done before he ever created anything. That's so right. we know that he did. And it said we know it says he did this for his own good pleasure. That's so right. you take it up with him if you have a problem with that. 
<coughs> Wait so, till you get there and then take it up with him. So especially in this text, I, what we're saying, right? So let's let's get this really clear. Okay. This hardening of heart is not necessarily referring to uh it's not necessarily referring to God saying, I'm gonna make Pharaoh do this thing. I don't I think it's not at all saying that. It's yeah, what's well, not necessarily referring to that. It what it very well could be referring to is what we find in Egyptian uh Egyptian religion, which is this is a reference to judgment and condemnation. Mm -hmm. The weighing of Pharaoh's heart versus the Pharaoh, yep. his heart is gonna mm -hmm. be hard, is it's gonna the scales are gonna go the other way, and he's gonna be found wanting. It could be very well be talking about that. It could also be talking about that God is saying, I'm going to Pharaoh's going to choose what he's going to choose, and I'm going to use Pharaoh for my glory. And that is certainly consistent with the scriptures. Yes. We find very clearly, Proverbs chapter one makes it very clear. Wisdom is calling in the streets. And there's only going to be, you only have a certain amount of time to respond to that wisdom. And then you're done. And on the day of calamity, God says, I'm going to laugh at you because you were already warned. Yeah. So we talk about a God who does gonna, want you people. Know, we're going to we're gonna have to do one of these days. Hmm. If we ever get through this, mm -hmm. we have to do a study on the book of Proverbs. Yes, that'd be good. That'd, that'd be, be good. an awesome study. So, we need to live that long, though. So, <laughs> well, I need to live that long. You need to live that long. <laughs> I need to live that well, long. by by conventional wisdom, right? <laughs> um, God's going to do because the rate we're do. going, we ain't going to get out of the book. And of that's okay. <laughs> um, and so it's it's important for us to grasp onto this concept that God is going to be glorified. He's going to be glorified whether it's willingly provided by you or whether it's unwillingly yeah, provided. Absolutely. He's going to be glorified. Absolutely. So, um, okay. All right, so there's there's a couple of different aspects, and I wanted to point that out. With It'll Pharaoh's come up heart. again. We'll It'll go, the texts are going to come up again. We'll, and we'll, we'll get talk to it about again. it again. Yep. All right. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt, and with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my divisions, my people, the Israelites. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. So this is... God saying, I'm going to humble the most powerful nation on the planet. That's what he's saying here. I have more power. I have more authority than them. And I'm going to knock them on their butt. Yeah. That's what he's saying. Exactly what he's saying. So, and it's not only going to, not only going to, the Egyptians are going to know it. People around them are going to know it. Well, and we'll later see in the text where God says that very thing, that because of what he did in Egypt, all of these other people know. And, and Rahab, the prostitute, 40 of. years later, will say that the terror of the Israelites and their God has fallen upon all the people. They're because scared they, to death. This is 40 years later. They heard 40 years ago what God they did in Egypt. Terrified, terrified. 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 What they're so, fixing to do. What God's fixing to do there. Well, and Rahab and her whole family are saved. And they're in the seed line of Jesus. And they're in the seed line of Jesus. That, that whole family. I mean, talk about God says you got to go in there and wipe them all out. But then Rahab says, no, no, no. We want we want your God. Yeah. Well, why did they have to go wipe out the rest? Because they weren't willing. They knew all these things. They knew he was God. And yet they did not yeah. turn. Yeah. Right. So Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded. This is in verse 6 of chapter 7. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. So this we see this age reference, right? Moses will be die at 120, uh -huh. and so he spent 40 years in Egypt, yes. fled to Midian, spent 40 years in Midian, and then now he's returned to, to Egypt at the age of 80, mm -hmm. and he'll be 120 by the time the wilderness wanderings mm -hmm. are done. So in, ver in verse uh, 8, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, perform a miracle, then say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh, and it will become a snake. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a snake. Pharaoh then summoned wise men and sorcerers, and the Egyptian, uh, the Egyptian magicians also did the same things by their secret arts. Each one threw down his staff, and it became a snake. 
But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs, yet Pharaoh's heart became hard, and he would not listen to them, just as the Lord had said. So we see this initially, heart, heart, his Pharaoh, Pharaoh's heart became hard. Mm-hmm. Now it doesn't tell us the Lord hardened his heart. It just said it became hard. And that's what we're going to see. The first few times it's Pharaoh it became uh, hard, his heart hard. Yeah. How does hardness of heart happen in our lives today? Mm-hmm. How can it happen in our lives today? Well, if you're a Christian, uh, it comes from quenching the spirit. Okay. So, and that can happen when you put God in a box. Put it, put it in in one and two word syllable words. How, how does that happen? I mean, I just you know, I mean, I think I think when God does not respond the way we think He re- should respond, mm-hmm. sometimes people get defensive and they get angry, or when God or when things happen in our lives that we think God should have help not to happen in our lives. So those so that's putting God in a box. Yes, it is. You know, Absolutely. We, you when you put God in a box, when you dictate to God how things are going to work out and you say, God, this is what I expect to happen and it has to happen this way and then it doesn't happen that way. Um you've you've effectively put God in a box or if you I put I don't know if, if I've told this story before but you know, I went to the jail for a long time. Mm-hmm. I studied a long time in the jail and I had a guy a member of the church. Sure. that was in real bad trouble. Bad trouble. And put himself there, got himself there. And he had convinced a tank, and I was studying with a tank of about 20 guys, and all 20 of them were studying with me. You know, I, they, they, hey, Dan, how you doing? They all sit around, and we'd all study the Bible together. And he was, con- he had convinced himself that he was going to get out on such and such a date. He was convinced. He was absolutely convinced he was going to get out on such and such a date. Thought it was going to happen, and I took, took him off to the side, and I said, dude, I said, be careful. Be careful what's going to happen here. What happens if? If it doesn't happen, oh, it's going to happen. I know absolutely it's going to happen. I'm going to be out. I said, what you did is serious. Okay, this is this is not. You didn't steal a pop bottle out of the, out of the Seven Eleven, man. That you know, you tried to kill somebody. And uh, they came, they went. I came back into the jail, complete dead silence. He had turned that whole tank into a hard. I couldn't get one guy in there to study with me because it ripped him apart. And he and he commenced to going around that tank, you know, and, and the guys, I mean, it just, it went south, man, because the hardness in him infected the whole group. I didn't have anybody to study. I, I turned around and walked out because there wasn't anybody to study with. He did not want, he, you know, none of them wanted to study because they believed him that he was, that God was going to, and when God didn't show up, the whole group turned on God. And that's sad. That's sad, man. But that ha- that's how quick it can happen. Not only in our own life where we get hard, we infect our whole family. whole family gets miserable because of it. You've been there. Yep. So have I. I've infected my whole family because of the negativity and the hardness in my own life. You know, I'm, I'm expecting God to show up. God don't show up. God doesn't do what he's supposed to do. Or I'm, I'm thinking somebody in the world is going to treat me a certain way. Maybe my mom or dad or whatever is going to treat me a certain way. And yeah. it doesn't. Well, and it's so easy. It's so easy if you're if you're on this side of the cross. If you're on this side of the cross and you you're you're following Jesus, it's so easy to fall back into this pattern of telling God how it's going to work out, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's God's not going to do that. God's going to do what He wants to do, you know. Um, so yeah, putting God in a box and that leads to quenching the spirit. So God, if you've obeyed the gospel, God has given you a spirit to come live within you, mm-hmm. right? And so the spirit of God lives within you. Um, 
if you don't listen to that spirit, if you decide that God put his spirit in you, but it's not capable of talking to you or speaking to you, he's not, he doesn't want to have any type of relationship with you. Well, then it's like what you've said before. And it's, you've, you've let the spirit into your life, but then you told him to leave his, his gifts at the door. Yeah. Right. And the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's all of those things. And so if we don't, it's not my fruit, my fruit produces death. Right. Without mm-hmm. God, my actions yeah. in this life yeah. produces death. That's yeah. that's what happens. We know this. And so if God gives us his spirit and then we tell him, no, you can't do anything. I'm going to shove you into this mm-hmm. corner and I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to do anything. Well, then what are you doing? You're yeah. going you're you're quenching the spirit of God and you're going right back to, well, I'm going I'm going going to do this. Mm-hmm. And so really for Christians that have done this, they, they, you see them in Romans chapter seven. Romans chapter seven, Paul's sitting there and he's he's like, I know the good I ought to do, but I do not do it, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And there's nothing, what is going to save me from this? Well, there's only two people that live in Romans seven, okay? First of all, you have to know, you have to know what is right and wrong to live in Romans seven. Mm-hmm. If you don't know right and wrong, then you're not in Romans seven. But once you know right and wrong, and many people in this nation are here yeah. because we, we are a Judeo-Christian nation, so they know you know, at least some of the commandments, they know some of the expectations, they know they've come in contact with it. And so if you've obeyed the gospel and you're putting that spirit in a corner, you're trying to, by law, please God. I know the right things to do and I'm going to force myself to do them rather than giving yourself over to the spirit, rather than giving yourself over to God mm-hmm. and allowing him to produce these things in your life, submitting to him, surrendering yourself to him and allowing him to bring in all of this fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, all of those things. Um, and so you're living in Romans 7. If you've never obeyed the gospel and you're in Romans 7, it's because you don't have the spirit and you're trying to force yourself to do the things that you know are right. And what's going to happen is you're going to fail. You're going to fail. Romans 7 is all about somebody who knows the law. Yeah. Whether that somebody is yeah. a Christian or whether that somebody is a is, is someone who hasn't obeyed the gospel. But it's both both people could be there if they're trying to please God by the law. Whether that is God's actual law, the covenant at Sinai, or whether that's a law that we've made unto ourselves, which we see what is what the Pharisees do during the first century. They add all these things to the law, right? So it's very, it's very easy to quench the spirit. It's very easy to harden our hearts. It's very easy to get to that point. And as we've already said, this this leads to judgment. This leads to us, our heart being, as the Egyptians would look at it, our heart being heavier than that feather, yeah. right? And so uh, it's, it's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous proposition to look at God and tell God how things are going to work out one way or the other. Yeah. He's God, not me. Yeah. Um, and so the other thing I wanted to point out though, and this happens a little bit more, more a little bit higher in the text, right? Okay, so he throws his staff down and it becomes a snake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's talk about this for a second. Okay. So one of the things I've noticed is this, is our society is very naturalistic, right? We want to have these natural explanations for these things. Okay. That's very dangerous. And that's not what we see in scripture. All right. I am not saying that science isn't a real thing or anything. I, I Look, I was a paramedic for years. I very much believe in the scientific method and scientific process, mm-hmm. and I believe in the wonderment of God's creation. But I also believe that weird stuff happens, okay? Okay. Stuff that I don't understand, okay? okay? And this is one of it. I don't know how these people... Now, I know how Aaron and Moses did it. They threw down the staff. God said, this is what I'm going to do with that staff. Okay. But how did these other guys do it? I don't know. Well, it tells us 
It says he summoned wise men and sorcerers and the magicians, and they did the same thing by their secret arts. Well, what is that? God tells us not to worry about it. Yeah. That's what he says. God doesn't tell us to come up with some type of naturalistic philosophical explanation for what this is. Okay. Yeah. Now, I don't know if these guys did this by sleight of hand or if they did it by what we would think of today as magic. I have no idea. God has encouraged us not to go find out. Well, he's told us because because you may go find out and find out it goes into a dark art somewhere. And it's satanic stuff. What did what happened when Saul went and saw the necromancer? Oh man, he the guy was not happy. He not God was not happy, but she pulled up the spirit of of uh Samuel. Samuel. Mm -hmm. I was gonna say Saul I was like, no, no, Samuel. She pulled up the spirit of Samuel. Mm -hmm. Well, what in the world? Christianity, okay? The, the Christian religion that we see here, Judaism before it. What we see God doing in the world, he tells us over and over and over again, there are other things going on that we are not, we can't see, that, that can affect us, but we can't see them, we can't do anything. I mean, Jude talks about the angels that did not keep their positions that have been bound in chains. What's yeah. going on there? Yeah, Guys, there is a spiritual warfare going on the all Phoenix around us. tells us that. All around us. Yeah. Do not naturalize this text. This says what it says, except what the book That's says. That's why God told them, told them after all of this, and he told them when Saul, do not consult mediums and spirits. Don't do it. He said, do not do that. Evidently, God knew that some of this is real. Yeah. Some of this is real black phenomena. You know, and he said, don't do it. He tells us, that, you know, I believe, I believe that we have to be careful even today. Be careful. Oh, because yeah. we can get into some negative Guys, stuff. There's, there's still, this stuff is, look, look, there are still people who, who prostitute themselves to these evil spiritual powers today. These people still exist. What we need to understand is, first of all, our God reigns. That's right. He's got That's all right. authority. Absolutely. And he's subjected Absolutely. all of these things Absolutely. to the feet of Christ. And we reign with Christ. That's right. We are reigning there. We have no reason to be afraid. They, uh, there was a missionary I believe it was in Haiti, and uh, they tried to curse him, the voodoo people. That's real big in Haiti. Yeah. And they tried to curse him, and they they left something on his doorstep, and it was some type of plant stuff, and he took it, and it was supposed to be a curse against him and a curse on his house and make him move, and he took it and he ate it. He took it and he ate it, and then went about his day. <laughs> Our God has authority. And there's, this is a spiritual warfare, spiritual battle going on. And we have to be, we have to understand that we have victory in Christ and we get that through faith. And we need to, and we need to not be so arrogant to believe we know everything. And my gosh, you know, if you, if you, uh, there's another missionary who, who worked in Africa for, for 30 years. I have so much respect for this man. He's such an excellent teacher. Taught me so much. And, and one of the things he said is if you go to Africa and you've decided you know, you want to be a missionary, you go to Africa and you've decided that spirits aren't real, that, you know, all of this, this possession, everything. He goes, y'all, you decide that none of that stuff is real and everything like that. He says, you're going to have a really hard time because in their culture, that stuff is as real as our medicine. That's how it's viewed in that culture. He said, right or wrong, it's just the way it is. And he's not sitting there saying they're hundred percent right or they're hundred percent wrong. That's not his point. His point, my, and his point, my point is this, if you close your mind and say, this is the way it's got to work. This is the way the world works. This is the way it's got to work. You are not going to be an effective tool for God because you're going to run into people who do not see things from that perspective 
and you're not going to be able to communicate with them because you're too stuck. It's got to be this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, all right. So we're moving on. So, uh, but you know, it. We we had talked about we're going to shorten these videos up. Remember? Yeah. We're doing you want to well. quit here? No. Um, okay. I think we think we just about we got a right. bit of time here. Okay. So each one threw down his staff and it became a snake. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Yet Pharaoh's heart became hard. And he would not listen to him, just as the Lord had said. So then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is unyielding. He refuses to let the people go. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, I have made Pharaoh refuse to let mm -hmm. the people. No. It says his heart is unyielding. Mm -hmm. So this is his perspective on this. It's not, and it, the Lord said to Moses, I have made Pharaoh's heart unyielding. It's not what it says. Mm -hmm. He refuses to let the people go. So go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes out to the river, confront him on the bank of the Nile and take in your hand the staff that was changed into a snake. Then say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has sent me to say to you, let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness. But until now you have not listened. So this is what the Lord says. By this you will know that I am the Lord. With a staff that is in my hand, I'll strike the water of the Nile and it will be changed into blood. And that just reminded me. I need to get I need to get that article from from Wikipedia. Remember, I told you. Oh yeah, we you have some yeah. physical uh -huh. evidence of this. This uh -huh. just reminded me. Okay, so next episode, I'm gonna we're gonna talk about that. Okay. So let's 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 stop here. Okay. We're gonna come right back here, but this is what God is going to do because Pharaoh wasn't willing to listen to that sign. Now we're gonna have this sign. Okay. When God says this is what's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. Yeah. God is going to bring out his people. Because we've talked about this, that, that all the explanations people have today about what really happened here. That's right. That's right. And there, and there, there's a lot of, well, God didn't really do this. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of other things. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot yeah. of other explanations for it. And and some of them are believable and they and they convince people sometimes. Well, look, we just they just found a they just found evidence of a city in the Jordan River Valley that was totally wiped out. And they realized that that what likely happened was an asteroid fell out of the sky and exploded in the atmosphere. And the explosion was more, you know, it was like a hundred times the force of, of the Hiroshima bomb and all those things. And it instantly leveled the city and all the cities surrounding it. Well, golly gee, doesn't that sound a whole lot like what Sodom happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? Yeah. Sometimes, and, and doesn't the text say that fire and brimstone fell from heaven? Right. So it's very likely that that's the case. <laughs> a lot of these archaeologists are already saying that it's likely that this is where the story comes from. Um, and so sometimes God works <coughs> simply through the natural world. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he does. Sometimes his, he just creates life within a virgin and she gives birth to the savior of the world. Mm -hmm. So sometimes God works through the natural world and makes na things naturally occur. And sometimes it's supernatural. I think our, our God is big enough and powerful enough that, that if he decided to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he can create and birth a, a an asteroid, you know, right outside of our atmosphere. You know, he and he could snap his fingers, could snap and, his fingers and go away, or snap his fingers and it falls on Solomon more. Snap his fingers and bring it, bring it all back. Yeah, it doesn't really matter to no, him. I, he has absolutely. all absolutely. absolutely. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for being a powerful, awesome God. Help us not to go into the trap that Pharaoh did. Help us, Father, to trust you, be obedient, never to doubt, and always to to be focused on on what you are capable of doing in our lives. Father, we don't always have all the answers. We need your help. And we ask, Father, that you, that you uh, create in us a spirit and a heart like a child that will accept you and, and, and trust you the way we're supposed to. Thank you, Father, for your son. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.